Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, community of superhero movies, fans, teachers, and students. Man, it's been three weeks since I said I was going to change that. Uh, people looking to discover more about superheroes and the world because both are awesome. Maybe I'm just using it because it's comfortable. I'm your comic culture host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro. Ben Anderson. Our scientific scholar. Grant Austin. And special guest super fan... Connor Cahill. Ooh, it's not Tom. It's a new guy. Oh, who replaced him? Just kidding. Never who, replaced, who, who replaced Skyler? <laughs> Skyler got fired. Um, <clears throat> SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey, exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, or science, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. My name is Barry Allen. I am the fastest man alive. To understand what I'm about to tell you, you need to believe in the impossible. We are being told to evacuate the facility. Officials are trying to shut down the particle accelerator. Relax. What is going on? You were struck by lightning, dude. Lightning gave me abs. Your muscles, they're in a chronic and unexplained state of cellular regeneration. Awesome. How's it fit? It's a little snug. We need to do more tests. You're still going through changes. There's so much that we don't know. I wasn't the only one affected by the particle accelerator. What's up? We've been searching for metahumans like yourself. Metahumans. That's what we are calling them. I saw one today. He's a bank robber, and he can control the weather. We have to stop him. It's heat resistant, so it shouldn't withstand your high-velocity speed. Your hero. You can do this now. Run, Barry, run! The Flash, season one. And yes, there will be spoilers. Hold on, back up. Did Grant not Ron Burgundy the outline? Like, I didn't write down Flash season one, but you still said it. I'm very impressed, Grant. I must say, we're we're all proud. Thank very you. Proud. <laughs> um, it's good to know that I am more capable than Ron Burgundy. <laughs> okay, first opinions, season one. All right, all right, all right. Um, yo, this is a great show. I'll start. I I don't think I've started in a while. Um, or maybe I'm narcissistic and just don't fucking notice. Uh, the, season one. Flash season one, fan fantastic. I mean, I wasn't. I was kind of like, this is a bit cheesy starting out. Not gonna lie, I was like, everything Cisco and Caitlin Snow did kind of came off as hokey to me, until it sort of just turned into this nice, charmy rhythm. And you went, there's a there's a good method here, 
and I'm and I'm falling into it. What who steals the show for me to this day every time? Jesse L. Martin as Detective Joe West. Love every second of it. Hate every second of the Barry Allen. I like my sister, stepsister. Iris West relationship. We can just nip that in the bud, but they made that last a whole fucking season. Uh, no, thank you. But the the, oh, the surrogate father actually. thing. Oh, fuck. I thought with Patty Spivak coming in, something that doesn't, we'll not talk about season two, but I love season one, everything about it. And that if that final finale does not make you cry, you're, you might be slightly broken inside as a person. Popcorn Ben. Well, as usual, I've seen about half the season. I'm on episode 12 now out of 23, 22, Probably. somewhere in there. Somewhere in the 20s, so I'm about halfway through. Uh, and I agree, it has, it's kind of monster of the week, and then at the end, Dr. Wells does something creepy. But it's great, I love this show. Um, I'm more invested into it than Daredevil season 2, which is weird to say. Um, but yeah, I love it, it's great. Best Flash. Popcorn grabs. <laughs> I really enjoyed season one. I thought it was a fun show, much lighter than uh, its counterpart, Arrow, um, which I actually like Flash a lot better than Arrow. Uh, sometimes I get a little taken out of it with like the very obvious uh, pseudoscience they try to throw in there and pass off as real science. Just run faster. But other than that, I think... <laughs> <laughs> just run faster it's the, it's the answer to everything or anytime they try and like explain other dimensions or dark matter and I'm like that's not right but uh, other than that it's uh, it's fun I enjoy the characters um, I really like uh, Cisco and uh, I really like um, Harrison Wells as well I think they're both acted uh, very well by their actors so you mean, overall, you mean Orson Welles? No. <laughs> um, That's what we called him the whole time, not going to lie. Because we're like, what's this guy's name? Wells is like episode five. Me and David were watching. Wells? Orson, Orson, Orson Welles? That sound right? Because we hadn't thought in our mind that Orson Welles is a different person yet. Uh, and like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely Orson Welles. And then they say Harrison Wells, and we go, nah, his name's Orson. Here, Orson. <laughs> Everybody else got it wrong. <laughs> Harrison Wells. Hair Orson Wells. The hair is silent. Orifice Wells. Orifice Wells. Wow. <laughs> Carry on, Grant. Sorry. Um, well, I mean, that's that's basically it. I, I thought it was a fun show. I like that it's not very serious most of the time. Um, I thought most of the acting is really good, but some of the science can be a little hokey, but it's a comic book show, so it's kind of what you expect. So, Popcorn Connor. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was obviously the episode that I wanted to speak up on. Uh, I love this show. <laughs> I've, I've watched through it uh, three times now. Uh, the last one was in prep for uh, this podcast. But, uh, yeah, Grant Austin, not Grant Austin, sorry, Grant Gustin, <laughs> uh, Tom Cavanaugh, and, <laughs> and uh, Jesse... Martin, Al Martin, his last name. They are fantastic acting in the show. Uh, the the chemistry that they all have together is just fantastic. Uh, I remember seeing pictures of the Flash costume as they were 
when they first announced this, I'm like, this looks stupid. The show is going to be awful. But I gave it a chance, and I was hooked after that first episode. So it's definitely super campy. I'm not gonna not gonna play that down, but uh, yeah, I love the show. <laughs> it's super campy, and then they just take it into a dark corner sometimes. And just yeah. like, hey, do you have problems with your dad? Or it's just like, do you really miss your dad sometimes? Because we're going to make you cry about that. Um, <laughs> like, because that's what this show does to a T. Um, well, he has three dad figures throughout the entire season, so. <laughs> it's the, always, who, he has his own player? dad, he has Jesse Martin, and he has Tom Cavanaugh. Or oh, Harrison uh, Wells. Yes. Uh, Orson, yes. Orson um, Wells. Uh, orifice uh and <laughs> man the show is, is is too it's too fun it's uh it's uh, so far uh on our long list of must must see tv you can you can skip past agents of sealed season one and at that point you can probably skip past season two you can't miss out on daredevil you can't miss out on the first two seasons of arrow and you can't miss out on flash don't do it ladies and gentlemen must see tv also right. jessica jones also, Jessica Jones. Daredevil Season 2? Ah, if you loved Daredevil Season 1, which you probably did, you should watch Season 2 at that point. Just because you wanted more. Okay. Um, speaking of Flash's dad, uh, we're going to get right into them. Comic book characters goodness. I'm going to focus just on the cores because this is TV. Yes. Woohoo. Uh, so I'm not going to touch on like the rogues because that would take me forever describing Captain Cold, Weather Wizard, Heat Wave, all those guys. I don't even want to freaking bring up Golden Glider, okay? God, that was so dumb. All right. Let's talk about the first character on the list. Uh, I'm going to do these all in pairs, all right, just to condense things a little, and because it makes sense. We're starting with Henry and Nora Allen, uh, Barry's parents from Flash 126 by John Broom and Carmine Infantino. So Henry was a doctor with a practice in Farmville, Iowa. Great name for a town. It's every town in Iowa. <laughs> uh, no, there's Farmville, Cornville, Corn Town, uh, Town Farm, and uh, Silo. I had to drive to Des Moines, well, a small town south of Des Moines, for a uh, wedding shower last week, and I drove through literally three different Farmvilles. <laughs> well, it was actually one big Farmville. Uh, they're just labeled Farmville A, B, and C. At, and at the same time, I was playing Farmville on my phone. No, you weren't. Don't you lie to these people. So Henry was a doctor from Farmville, and he married Nora, a stay-at-home mom. And Barry became the Flash in that freak lab accident that we all know and love. And not too long after, Henry died of natural causes, while Nora lived a long life watching her son become a hero. That is the original story of Barry's Allen's parents. They, they had very nice lives, in honesty. Uh, but in 2009, Dick Cheese Jeff Johns says, no, I'm going to rewrite that. So he wrote Flash Rebirth. In this story, the timeline has changed. When Eobard Thawne goes back in time and murders Nora while having Henry take the blame, which we see in the season of Flash. Uh, Henry then, but it, it gets worse. Henry then dies in prison before Barry can exonerate him so that Barry is always stuck with that guilt. 
that an enemy that he didn't even know was his enemy at the time killed his mother. Because time travel's fucked up. Next character, Detective Joe West and Iris West. We're doing both. Uh, Joe, he's completely made up for the show and perfect for the show. Let's not take that away from him. But Iris premiered in showcase number four, 1956. Robert Kaniger and Carmine Infantino with Joe Kubert. Originally, Iris is a reporter for Picture News in Central City and Barry Allen's fiance. She has no idea that he is the Flash, a trend among many female reporters in the DC Universe. She only figures it out because on their wedding night, Barry talks about it in his sleep. I'm the Flash. Honey, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, that's, that's God, comics, man. All right, uh, it gets weirder, all right, because things get pretty crazy for Iris not too long after this. Because it gets crazy when it turns out that Iris was born in the 30th century to the Russell family and was actually sent back in time for some reason, something to do with her safety, uh, where she was adopted by Ira West. So Professor Zoom, a.k.a. the reverse Flash that we know, Eobard Thawne, he has like four different names. In the comic books, he's known as... Uh, Professor Zoom, because he's actually the second reverse Flash. So I'm going to call him Professor Zoom, all right? Let me let me get that out of the way. Professor Zoom kills Iris at a costume party, of all places, by vibrating his hand through her skull. But the Russells, with the help of the Flash from the future, known as John Fox, transferred her consciousness back to the future the moment before she died into a new body, where Barry traveled and stayed in the future for a month before he returned to the past and died in DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths. But in that month, they conceived two kids called Dawn, D-A-W-N, and Dawn, D-O-N. This is no longer continuity. (laughs) Now Iris is a reporter with a crush on Barry who is usually dating someone else. But holy balls, Iris. I had no idea that your life was so messed up. There's... There's so much, so much time travel. Ah. Oh, girls, stop. They're playing. Uh, if you can't hear the dog growls. Uh, I hear something. <laughs> Next up, we have Cisco Ramon and Dr. Caitlin So. I'm saving both those for Flash Season 2, all right? Because Cisco is confusingly kind of sort of the same hero named Vibe, kind of sort of really, yes. Um, and um, he was a member of the Justice League and can control vibrations, but doesn't do that in a different way in the show. And Caitlin Snow is the name of the third incarnation of a villain called Killer Frost, who's a frequent enemy of Firestorm. Uh, Speaking of which, Firestorm, the Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein version, uh, premiered in Firestorm, The Nuclear Man, number one, 1978, Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. Ronnie was a high school student. Martin is a Nobel-winning physicist. But one day, they're caught in a wacky nuclear explosion, turning them into the superhero Firestorm. Now the two must learn to get along in the same body. Firestorm the sitcom. Like an amazing sitcom. (laughs) It is! Because that's what the comic book was. Uh, Ronnie controls the body, but doesn't know how to use his powers, whereas Martin is a, of course, Nobel Prize-winning physicist, a genius, and has to teach this dumb shit physics in a tutor session he can never leave. Welcome to Firestorm. 
a lot of the old comics dealt with a lot of bickering um, and brief discussions on particle atomic structures because Firestorm can transmute inorganic, later organic matter into different compounds of equal or lesser mass as long as he knows how that would work in a math problem. So they got a lot of they got away with a lot of shit. I don't I can't I haven't read a Firestorm comic ever, so I really can't tell you if the science behind those old comics were right. And that's mostly because the Firestorm didn't last for long. He got moved to Justice League and just sort of stayed there. Later though, again, things get weird. DC has a long history and shit gets weird. Later, Martin evolves into a full-blown fire elemental. And uh, Ronnie now is the sole member of Firestorm, but he dies tragically. Uh, Whatever. What's important is why the fuck is the superhero called Captain Atom, a dude who is a walking nuclear bomb in a containment suit, not called Firestorm, and Firestorm not called Captain Atom? Because it makes a lot more sense if you think about it. No one? No one wants to land? I'm I'm thinking about it. You've got a guy with the powers of a nuclear firestorm called Captain Atom, and you've got another guy who can rearrange atoms called Firestorm. Oh, that is odd. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Go fuck yourself, DC. Mm. All right, all right, all right. And the last character, last character, I promise. Uh, reverse Flash a.k.a. Professor Zoom, premiered in The Flash, Volume 1, number 139. There's a different comic book. There's Flash and then The Flash. So you have to make sure that those are different. This is The Flash, number 139. 1963, John Broom, again, and Carmine Infantino. (sighs) Fuck time travel. Here we go. If I had three days, I could not explain Eobard Thawne's shit. Even if I went back in time to critique myself on those three days because that's what the reverse flash would do. I would still need 17 more days, 15 days later, in order to fully explain Eoborthon shit because this is how we fucking does it, all right? First off, there are four reverse flashes. Eobard is the second. And I explained this earlier. He's mostly known as Professor Zoom. The guy known as Just Zoom... Hunter Zolomon, completely different character. So originally, Eobard is just a dude who lives in the 25th century who comes across one of Barry's suits that was flung into the future as some sort of shitty time capsule charity event. Um, And he discovers that when he's wearing the suit, he has the Flash's powers. So he becomes a criminal, obviously. Flash travels to the future, beats him up, grabs his suit, and that's pretty much his whole origin. Now, in the newer continuity, they've retconned his origin so that actually Thawne is a really big fan of the Flash. Really big. Uh, He mimics the process in which Barry gets his powers, same as Wally West Kid Flash did, because apparently everybody can just mimic that experiment. Uh, So then he gets Flash's powers travels back in time in an attempt to meet him because he's such a big fan, but he misses it, the point where he's still alive, and reaches a point in time after Barry's death in DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths. He visits the Flash Museum and sees how he's destined to become the reverse Flash, 
because events had already taken place in the past of him as a villain, but him in the future have not gone back in time to those events yet. Also, he sees how he's killed by Barry after he kills Iris West. So that's a thing where you see how you're supposed to die. Mm. This, yeah, this mixed with the strain of unpracticed time travel causes him to go nuts and believe he actually is the Flash for a period in time. He terrorizes Central City because they forgot about him and gets defeated by the remaining Flash family and flung back into the future. Now, he begins his quest to continue traveling back in time until he not only kills Barry Allen, but replaces him completely and lives Barry's life. The hero worship gone to the extreme. There is way more crazy shit. Here's some more crazy shit. Like the time after Barry kills him by snapping his neck, Reverse Flash comes back because someone in the future will eventually resurrect his body, and he's actually just traveling back in time to before that happens, but after he died, so his dead body is still just like right over there in a field. Makes perfect sense. Thank you. I'm glad I was able to like deliver that cohesively because that was like cohesively. Yeah, I see now I'm falling apart. Because <laughs> um, that was like five Wikipedia pages, and I'm like, fuck, I got to explain this to people because they did not do that great of a job. Uh, 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 let me actually read a comic book in which Reverse Flash appears. No, that did not help. Uh, uh, <laughs> and that's comic book section tonight. <sighs> Time travel. Yeah. Have you guys seen Primer? I have seen Primer. That's some good shit right that there. Is the I best love Primer. That, that is the best Primer. That is such a good movie. Slightly less confusing than Flash continuity. No. no way more confusing. Let's not even kid ourselves. Uh, if you love time travel, like unhealthily love time travel, and like want to believe time travel can be a real thing, Primer is the movie for you. It's so, so good. It's anyway. Good. Let's move on to the music section, right, Yay. Movie Maestro? That's me. Oh, is it? Yeah, forever. Or at least for this week or whatever. Go ahead. Where, Skylar couldn't be here for some reason? Uh, he's busy quitting his job. Okay, yeah, that would be a stressful process. So I'm, I'm taking over uh, this Seems week. to uh, be a theme amongst the members of this show. <laughs> yeah, shh. Yo, I'm happily employed. So two out of three. All right. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, so um, we're just going to start things off by just hitting you with the the main theme of The Flash. Uh, composed by who, Ben? Uh, um, composed by Blake Neely. Uh, Neil Blakely? Blake Lively. Sorry? Sorry, I was trying to make a shitty joke and nobody... Oh, okay. <sighs> Just awful. Uh, anyway, no, I don't need this from you two. <laughs> Damn it. Thought I had okay. one.
Uh, I didn't. I've never gone that deep into the theme, Ben. Um, yeah, it's it pretty like, dubstepy. It's there's a lot of like really nice like electronicy like, uh, you know, kind of kind of sounds <laughs> belching. Yes, yes, belching. except you know better production values than me belching into a microphone that I bought <laughs> for like twenty dollars uh, shipping. Um, I, I gotta I gotta also uh, this doesn't have to do with music, but that. The I don't know if it's the cover to like the soundtrack album or whatever, but that promo where it's like the Flash and it's just got like that side portrait of of Barry, but Barry's looking at the camera and it's blurry behind him, so it looks like he's running. It creeps me the fuck out. <laughs> not gonna lie, because he's got this weird smug <laughs> look on his face as he's staring right at you, and I'm like, that's not natural. Shouldn't he just be like facing forward? Looking where he's going, not looking at me breaking a fourth wall for a promo pick. I don't need it. It's like that really unsettling moment in Electra when Electra looks directly at the camera <laughs> for like three frames, and it's just long enough for you to be like, "Wait, what just happened?" <laughs> uh, breaking up the fourth wall. What's your next track, homie? Yeah, I just want to talk more about Blake Neely for a second. Uh, I think he's been. We've mentioned him on the show before. He uh, wrote the music for Arrow. Oh, I believe. Man. Yeah, he's locked in at CW. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah he also and, does Legends of Tomorrow too. Arrow Year One. He worked on also um, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, The Last Samurai. Um, what else? The Da Vinci Code. So he's got a lot of a lot of writing credits for for music composing, I guess. So uh, we're gonna take a listen to the next track now, which is titled "Reveal to Iris." in which he reveals his secret identity as the Flash to Iris. Hit it. some nice clips, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. I put a lot of effort into my segment. Ah, yes. Clearly. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I don't even know why we need Skyler. I'm just going to fire him. Um, yeah, we should. <laughs> can't wait till he hears that. Oh, wait, he won't because he never re-listens to episodes. Oh, snap. Does that mean we can... I get to be the permanent science guy now? No. Or is Ben uh... just going to do two parts? <laughs> uh... This is, this is our A team. Uh, all right, uh, just kidding. We'll see. We'll uh, see. So that um, no, I'm not gonna do any of that, guys. The, those were the two clips I had. Dug through a few in the soundtrack, and these were my favorites. So might sneak in that clip right now, just because I want to. Yeah. Of the whatever the last scene is in Flash season one, where the that that scene where it's all quiet. And all future Barry looks at past Barry and just shakes his head. And past Barry shuts the door on the closet and just starts crying. And you just go, oh, son of a bitch. Oh, here it comes. And you just turn the valve. Cause... Do, you think, do you think it's the, uh, the very last track in this, the Flash soundtrack season one? Why? Is that what Return yeah, to Iris is? 
Uh, no. Oh. It's called a new name. Oh. Does that sound like it might be? I'll throw the link up in the outline here real quick. Sounds I think that's good. when they rename the street to the Flash. If I were to get, make a guess. Oh, yeah, actually. The street? The yeah, streak. originally he's called the streak. Oh, the streak, yes, because both of them are very lewd names, and we just choose to think the streak is funnier. Uh, <laughs> uh, and both of them are actually crimes. And... Yeah, so I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw, another, I'll throw uh, a new name, which I guess is when they rename the Flash. Uh, but I, why, why don't they call him the Rush? I feel as if that would be a better name. Flight by sense. night, away from here. Oh, never mind. Okay, uh, that's why. <laughs> you get on. You get on music. Uh, thanks for picking me up there. <laughs> uh, well, now we're gonna listen to Rush's seminal album, uh, Twenty One Twelve. Of course, in its entirety. <laughs> so just strap in, grab a nice set of mushrooms, and set up a light show. Bam. It's Rush time. Bam, 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 bam. All right, we're moving on to science. Grant, how you doing okay. over there? Um, pretty good. Yeah? Okay, so I guess the first thing I want to talk about are uh, the heat gun and the cold gun, because they're both pretty ridiculous and not really possible in the way that they're described <laughs> in the show. Well, so, I mean, the heat gun's just a flamethrower, isn't it? Well, okay, so they describe the heat gun as being able to heat things up to, like, absolute hot, which is the hottest temperature <laughs> ever, which is uh, 10 to the 34th Kelvin, which is the apparent... Apparently, that's the temperature of the Big Bang, like, at oh, point wow. zero time. And so that's clearly impossible. That's, like, 100,000 billion billion times hotter than a supernova. <laughs> so clearly... That's not possible. But yes, if you were just going to have like a flamethrower, then that's that's fine. The mm-hmm. cold gun, on the other hand, they were trying to throw some bullshit at me of how that works on the internet, and I was just like, you're just throwing science words in here to sound intelligent. But they are trying to tell me that it's powered by a cyclotron, which makes like no sense since that's just a type of particle accelerator, so it doesn't really like produce energy, so it doesn't make any sense. Um, Whereas, like, Mr. Freeze's gun is powered by cryogens, which makes a little bit more sense. Oh, uh, Batman and Robin made more sense in The Flash. You heard it here first, folks. Well, they have Mr. Freeze now in Gotham, so he's more than just Batman uh, and Robin. Uh, But Uh, don't you want to talk about the gold gun? uh, No, I don't ever want to talk about the gold gun. It's just... (laughs) It breaks all the laws of physics, all of them. (laughs) If you can just turn things or coat things with gold, why, why steel? So why steel? you get into <laughs> the psychology of the characters just wanting the thrill of taking things. They don't really care about the score. They're just interested in uh, being able to exert their power over others and take things from other people <sighs> is what their real goal is, If that, because they have this gold gun. Um, <laughs> so dumb. The cold gun is supposed to be able to freeze things to absolute zero, which is also impossible since we've never even done that before. You would need it to be in, like, a perfect vacuum for that to happen. So obviously doing it in Earth's atmosphere, that doesn't work. Can I, can I just say something? Yes. Reaching absolute zero is actually impossible, period. 
Yes. <laughs> well, considering there's no such thing as like a perfect void even out in space, yes, yes, it is impossible. What's wait? What's absolute zero? Like where everything freezes instantly? It's it's where it's zero Kelvin, and it's where matter stops moving. So like oh. even even solids, like the atoms are vibrating a little bit, and so at absolute zero, they stop vibrating completely. Because yeah. his yeah, because his cold gun in the comic books is described as not being a freeze gun or an ice gun, because that's what Mister Freeze has, and like, uh, but but his is is like a molecular slowing gun. What it does is it's yeah, I, I saw that too, and I'm like, well, okay, so if you take out the whole absolute zero thing, it becomes a little bit more plausible. Say you're just making the air more dense, because that's what they talked about was like making these like nets to catch the flash where the the air was just frozen. Mm-hmm. And um, so there, I guess, if you were to just slow the temperature or slow down the molecules in the air, so not so much that they condense into a liquid, but enough so that they were more dense, you would certainly make it harder for the flash to move because you'd have increased uh, resistance as he tried to run through it. It'd, it'd, be like, still, it'd be like trying to run through a swimming pool of jello. Ah. Yeah. I mean, still not possible. <laughs> you couldn't do that. It would... Much it would diffuse too quickly to be relevant. Yeah, much more creative and uh, much more interesting to think about because everybody can just pretty much everybody knows absolute zero is not possible, so you can pretty much automatically dismiss that. I didn't, but, but all right. Moving on. Uh, can we get the particle, particle accelerator? accelerator? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean it's a good segue since they're apparently powering the cold gun by a particle accelerator. But anyway. Particle accelerators, fairly straightforward, I guess, exactly as their name implies. You shoot particles very fast, and then you collide them with each other and see what happens. And uh, The so way the, they did it, it like broke down and exploded a bunch of... Or it, 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 they smashed so, together so fast that it created a new dimension, which exploded 100 different types of radiation everywhere into the city? Uh, yes. They, they called it a dark matter explosion, which... Uh, it's something that they actually try and do with particle accelerators to see if they can like prove that dark matter exists. Granted, it would not cause an explosion where tons of dark matter just exploded everywhere, causing tons of radioactive effects on people, but they do try and collide particles together so that they can try and observe uh, dark matter particles. It just kind of goes along with the fears that a lot of people had with like the CERN super collider and stuff with... Um, making black holes after colliding particles together was a fairly ludicrous idea, but I think that's a lot of what they're sort of playing at here is that we collided things together and we didn't really know it was going to happen, so we'll just say a dark matter explosion happened, and since we don't really know what dark matter is or what it does, other than that it binds the universe together, um, that it's causing all these superpowers to happen. If you want to chime in, Ben, you look like I'm... I I, want to chime in. We actually kind of know what dark matter does and it actually we know it has mass and does very little because if it did yeah. anything we'd be able to detect it more easily well yeah that's that's true um I actually just watched a uh the world science festival uh panel on dark matter before this um so that was lucky today on but, star talk yeah but uh so yeah we do know it has mass um a lot of people think they're made up of wimps which are Weekly interacting massive particles. So <laughs> one step ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like they do have mass. They don't do very much because they don't have 
they don't interact by a strong nuclear force or electromagnetic um, force. Question. So they just Question. interact via gravity and the weak nuclear force. Now, can you turn a Hadron Collider into a super people prison? Uh, well, you'd certainly have the space for it since it's miles in diameter, the one in CERN. Um, it's pretty deep underground. Yeah, so it, like, theoretically, if you took out a lot of the instrumentation, you would definitely have the space and the isolation to make a super prison. Mm. You know, um, they make that, they don't, I don't think they fully express how large Star Labs has to be. Uh, they just sort of, like, walk into new rooms, like it's just around the corner. And I'm like, if it's a hadron, if it's a particle accelerator, this is miles long, is it not? I feel as if getting from point A to point B is going to take you a while if you are not the Flash. It doesn't have to be miles long. It would certainly help because it would make it easier to uh, do the accelerations if you had more space. You wouldn't have to do as many revolutions around it, but this is all basically pseudoscience anyway, so sure, they have a large Hadron Collider that's not nearly as big as the one in CERN. Large had, the largest the largest particle accelerator in the world is the Large Hadron Collider. It's 17 miles in circumference. Mm, I know what else is 17 miles in circumference. Wow. <laughs> um, so if you were like in a golf cart, it would take you like three hours to drive around it. Oh, wow. Consider that. Uh, any more science topics, Grant? So... Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, super speed since we are talking about the Flash. Um, so I was looking up some stuff about it, and there are kind of two main things that people like to talk about, which are the the physical limitations of super speed, obviously with uh, air resistance and um, needing protection against that uh, friction, both that your body is creating and moving through the atmosphere. But uh, apparently there's a... A pretty nifty explanation for that that comic book writers came up with, which is just that people who move at super speed, who have these superpowers, also create kind of an aura around them that protects them from the effects of moving through the atmosphere very quickly. So that helps. So they kind of explain that with another superpower, which makes it really hard to discredit since superpowers are all ridiculous anyway. But what about um, stopping all the time, right? He never slows down. He just stops. And isn't it like everything inside of your body is still going to go like in front of you? Yeah. So Newton's he, would, he, would, yeah. he would definitely have some problems with uh, Newtonian physics there with his organs sort of probably flying out of his body. <laughs> um, well, yeah, since he's going fast enough to like time jump, he's going pretty much several orders of magnitude or several times faster than the speed of sound. So if he stopped on a dime, his fleshy organs would just sort of fly out of his body. It'd be pretty horrible, pretty gruesome. So he has super shins. Yeah. Um, the other thing was uh, that's not as well explained unless you just assume that in addition to being super fast, he also has super fast senses, which I guess is a fairly reasonable assumption. But just the ability for him to perceive anything while he's moving that fast is... Uh, fairly um, ridiculous for a normal human. Uh, sound waves, as you moved towards something, would become so the frequency would become so high that you would not be able to discern them at all. It would be like 
the equivalent of trying to listen to a dog whistle, except everything was like that. And then also, if he's moving that fast where he's a blur, that means everything that he's viewing is a blur. So he can't really see things either, unless his eyes are, have adapted to be able to um, see everything well, slower. His brain processes information at, at a second level. So Is that, it's is that somewhere in the context? Yes. Yes, that oh, is well, new 52 then. continuity. Okay, well, that's fairly recent then, but... Um, but that's insane yeah, pro- the, fa- processing speed. Yeah, um, that is something that normal humans obviously can't do. I mean, no. action potentials on neurons fire on the order of, like, microseconds, but attoseconds is still, like, <laughs> nine orders of magnitude smaller than that, so... It, it's, yeah. it's a short enough time span where you would actually, like, run into problems with the uncertainty principle. Like, there's quantum mechanical problems with thinking that fast. Holy Just, like, <laughs> built into the fabric of the universe. So, by trying to explain a problem, they have created another one with their Yay. science abilities. Okay. Sounds like that's, that's a fair amount of science when shit gets to quantum level. All right. Well, yeah, plus that's, that's way beyond me. So if, if Ben wants to take a, a stab at explaining quantum mechanics to the lay listener. Uh, for the forward, third time. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> How many times do you explain quantum mechanics now? <laughs> oh, several. Ant-Man. Explained it very well. <laughs> exactly, probably negative three. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think uh, anybody explains quantum mechanics really well. Even people that do understand it, they just like end up saying, you know, it, it's quantum mechanics. Shit's weird. Like <laughs> that's what it boils down to. Sounds about right. Okay. So good on science. Now, Connor, you've been sitting so patiently and nicely over there, uh, in your end of Chicago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Connor, as of a, a, you know, you can just uh, d- d- describe a little bit. Of, you've never been on the show before, you know. I've never. This is uh, first time. First time. You're you're no one I have ever met in person. <laughs> um, unlike these chumps, and you you've come across the show in a similar manner as uh, Twitter Tom came across. What was, what did you say your first episode listened to was? Uh, I think I was here at episode three. So, Episode three, ladies and gentlemen. Long-time we were... listener, first-time contributor. Yeah. No, you wrote our drinking game rules. This that is was true. too dope. <laughs> All right. Not gonna lie. Anytime anyone does work for me, I'm going. Ha, ha, I'm gonna give you anything you ask. You just <laughs> name it. As long as it doesn't involve me doing work. And you coming on the show involves me doing less work because now we've got a whole section that you can do for fun. And what are we talking about today, Connor? Talking about fun facts and a slight history of the show itself. Go ahead. Go into it. All right. uh, So this show, uh, The Flash, was produced by uh, Greg Berlanti, who was pretty much heading all of these CW, DC shows, uh, Arrow, The Flash, uh, the spinoff, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and CBS's, I think it was CBS's, uh, Supergirl, which recently has been moved to the CW, so look for that in the future. Uh, yeah, so it was produced by uh, Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenheim, and Andrew, uh, sorry, not Mark Guggenheim, uh, Andrew Kreisberg and Jeff Jones. Uh, Greg Berlanti is just a producer. Uh, from what I've seen, Andrew Kreisberg uh, and as you mentioned, Jeff Jones are both uh, comic book writers, so they know a fair bit about the DC 
continuity as a whole. Uh, so yeah, at the time that they were producing uh, or starting to produce Arrow, Berlanti and uh, Kreisberg were actually working for uh, Sci-Fi, trying to produce a uh, Booster Gold uh, pilot, which <sighs> actually didn't end up going anywhere. Uh, but now that we have Legends of Tomorrow and they're traveling in the future, we might be able to see them there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Warner Brothers basically uh, basically said Berlanti, like, come work for us. You'll have the full range of any DC character you want that is not already slated for a Mation Mojo picture, i.e., Batman or Superman, anything like that. They were hesitant to come back because Berlanti and Guggenheim were the original screenwriters for The Green Lantern, and we all know how that ended up. <laughs> they were not They're, the uh, the the second screenwriters or the third or it the wasn't fourth. Fault. <laughs> they were the it wasn't their fault. <laughs> and their project was basically destroyed in front of their eyes. So they said, "Hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it on our terms." Uh, so when they started doing Arrow, it was their idea to like, you know what? He's going to kill people right off the bat. So they wanted to go dark with that. Craig Berlanti's ultimate goal in the long run here was to produce a Flash TV show. He's been a fan his pretty much entire life. Uh, so his idea was to eventually have Barry Allen guest star, get struck by lightning, uh, lightning and then do a backdoor pilot, kind of jumping off that. But with the uh, first two seasons of Arrow being so successful as they were, they pretty much got the green light to just make the pilot and uh, have the season start off with uh, its own pilot episode. The footage that was shown in that Arrow episode was actually pretty much, I think it was the same footage used in the pilot. But while they were making that, they obviously had the entire DC continuity to work with, but they also wanted to be true to the original 1990s show. There is a 1990s Flash television show, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, so that sh- uh that series only had one season, and they pretty much figured, like, okay, Arrow's been a success for these next two, or last two seasons. They're not sure how many seasons they're going to get with Flash 2014, so they're going to try and just put as much as they possibly can in the first couple episodes so they would eventually have to readdress those points. In the first episode, they have the reverse Flash, Weather Wizard, Grodd with the cage, and the idea of time travel. So regardless, like they're eventually going to have to go back to all those subject matters, which they pretty much do. Uh, they also have Captain Boomerang in the Arrow uh, hosted crossover episode. There has been talk of Mirror Master and Dr. Alchemy, but they have yet to make an appearance on the show. Now, can we talk, well, just a quick sign out on that whole Captain Boomerang thing. Captain Boomerang approaches Flash and Arrow at the same time, like a tough guy. A guy who throws boomerangs, okay, that is not even a superpower. He just is really good at throwing sticks. Um, <laughs> and he says, I've got bombs all around the city. What are you going to do, stop me or stop the bombs? And Barry Allen is standing right there, and Oliver says, I'll handle this. Go get the bombs. And... David says something to me that is so obvious. It's just like, while Barry is running to get the bombs, throat punch. Throat punch. <laughs> you Captain Boomerang. It is not hard. Just, just, just push him on the way, way out. out. <laughs> yeah. It right. takes you an extra three nanoseconds. Yeah. All right. He's unconscious because I knocked all of the air out of his esophagus Whoosh, with a jab. And now I'm going to go stop these bombs. Uh, Ollie, go do something productive, I guess. Shoot an arrow up your butt. I don't know. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, so with the uh, 1990 show, they were 
also trying to honor it. Uh, they have several characters either reprising roles or starring in the series itself. Uh, John Wesley's ship, who was the original Flash, is Barry's dad in this uh, remake. Amanda Pays, who was Christina McGee in the 1990s show, uh, has the same name, but her character was basically a mix of Cisco and Caitlin. She was the quote-unquote love interest of the original Flash. Uh, and Mark Hamill actually reprises his role of the trickster, and they show footage of the actual costume. They have the props and everything in that episode that he stars in, so that was actually pretty cool. What a treat. For those of you who have seen Flash 1990 <laughs> before you saw the Flash television show, you like went, ah! oh my god, there it is! Um, which David and I only watched the fina- the pilot of Flash 1990 and the last two episodes where Mark Hamill played the trickster. And that's all that is referenced in the 2014 show. That's all you need to watch. It's the 1990s pilot and the last two episodes, and you'll get all your Easter eggs. Yeah, that's basically all I have for the background itself. Uh, Just a few uh, other fun facts that I have. Uh, Prior to the idea of Legends of Tomorrow, the original show was just going to be Hawkgirl, which is why in the, uh, spoiler Ben, uh, the last episode of the season, it has everyone looking up towards the singularity. Uh, The actress that plays Kendra is just randomly there. Uh, She was, it was only supposed to be a Hawkgirl spinoff, that it was supposed to be Hawkgirl and Hawkman, and then they said, you know what, we're just doing a team show, Made in Legend tomorrow. Uh, Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell, uh, Captain Cold, Heat Wave, were uh, co-stars in the show Prison Break together. Ferris Air was mentioned twice, and uh, Barry mentions offhand that it's been shut down since one of their pilots disappeared. Uh, obviously a nod to Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. But he didn't disappear he didn't. <laughs> because season two, they just show him in like one throwaway scene of his name tag, like on a bomber jacket, no no face, and he just walks off the screen. That's it. They're like, Jordan, oh, I wonder who that is, in a bomber jacket. <laughs> and since they're making the uh, Green Lantern's core movie, you'll probably never see him on the actual show itself. Um, <laughs> uh, you had mentioned before Vibe, Cisco Ramon. He's actually on this show because Andrew Kreisberg thought he was the lamest superhero of all time. Uh, He actually rewrote his, when he was a writer for the standalone vibe series of the new 52, he rewrote his superpowers to allow him to kind of look interdimensional, whatever. So they wanted to work. Try and make him cool. Exactly. (laughs) The helmet that flies out of the, I guess, time portal at the end is obviously Jay Garrick's helmet. Watch season two. I'll always say that. Um, in the final uh, finale, Barry is running through the Speed Force, and uh, several images are shown. Uh, some of them are scenes we've seen in the actual first season. Other things we see are Caitlin Snow as Killer Frost. Uh, there is a image of the Flash Museum, which is a pretty predominant landmark in uh, the comics. And up White Canary, which is just Sarah Lance repurposed, Captain Cold and the Atom. And uh, that's all I got. Fun facts. Delightful. Facts that are fun. Yay! Oh, man. And a little bit of story on that background. Mm. All right. So we're going to skip right past drinking game rules. Uh, I didn't have can... any good ones anyway. Yeah, well, there's only one good one, and that is whenever Barry is 
crushing on Iris. You just fucking drink. There's some there's some creepy borderline incest, and it's just not no. Uh, I mean, like you're like, hey, Dad, can I bang your daughter? Like that's literally a line. He's uh, not literally. That's all pretty much what he says to Joe West at some point. I mean, like when you're getting dating advice on how to woo iris from her dad who is also your stepdad and he's yeah. like cool with it and and it's not like it's not like funny borderline incest like arrested development <laughs> it's just weird yeah uh i don't that's the one thing i was never sold on ever um yeah like, their relationship i'm just like hmm felicity smoke and oliver queen forever but barry allen iris west please can we Lose Barry or lose Iris, and and just it doesn't just because it's in the comic books doesn't mean it has to be that way. All right, just like how like Oliver is not destined to end up with Black Canary, it's fine that he doesn't end up with Laurel. Just give Laurel another purpose. Characters are malleable. Not everyone reads the comic books. Sometimes shows are just fun on their own. All this right, is all really that. funny to hear because clearly you guys aren't caught up with the shows, or else you're just trying. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. No, we're talking about season one for all the season one <laughs> listeners or viewers out there. Yeah, right? see, season well, one. Well, more on the Arrow <laughs> stuff, but this obviously isn't an Arrow episode, so I won't spoil oh. anything from that show. Whatever. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up today, super fans. Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by Triop Cop Productions. <gasps> You can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, and you can also go there, give us a review, give us a rating, rate us five stars, because we're great. New episodes and, uh, every Monday. And and new episodes every Monday, and if you, if we, the better a ranking we get and the more people we subscribe, the more people will see our, our stuff when they search for superhero podcasts. I want 50 Con- Connors and Toms. I want 300. <laughs> I want I want, a new I want someone, person on the show every week. I want week. someone and we we need 50 52 no 51 <laughs> We need 51 like people who are super into the show so that every week we can have Skylar replaced by someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Fire Skylar. 2016. Oh no, that's our Twitter challenge of the week. He said it. Hashtag Fire Skyler. Love you, Skyler. I'm sorry. <laughs> but hashtag Fire Skyler. <laughs> Subscribe to us on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Twitter, uh, follow us on Twitter. Tom's always there for superhero conversations. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Super N Studies. That's at Super, the letter M, Studies. So follow us and Talk to Tom. I'm sure he gets bored. <laughs> he, he lives in Ohio, so he must. Oh, um, yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, and finally, we got our website. It's there, man. It's 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 growing every day. Uh, you can listen to all of the backlog of our episodes. You can uh, look at the schedule for the future episodes that you're always prepared for every show. Uh, we got all of our show notes up right now. All of them. That's right. They're all up. They're all updated. And if you go a little bit lower in the show notes, you'll see something a little magical. All right? And that is just the drinking game rules. And who do we have to thank for putting that all together? <gasps> You're welcome. It's he's right there. It's Connor. <laughs> ah, man. And that's what uh that's that's all you gotta do is do a little do 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 anything, really. 
and and I'll be like, do you want to be on the show? And literally just give me your email, and you you tell me what episodes you want to be on, and I'll reach out to you. So simple. And then we had so much fun. Thanks for being on the show, Connor. It was a delight. Thanks for having me. It's um, great. Uh, as always, you can email us at supermoviestudies at triopcop.com. Um, that is our. That is what I check. That is how Connor and I kept in contact. And I hope everyone continues to listen, have fun, give monetarily, give uh, 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 spiritually. Um, give me um, all your love. Wow. Give, give me all your loving, all your hugs and kisses too. Thank you very much. That'll do it today. I'm uh, your host. Michael Maurer. Ben Anderson. Grant Austin. Super special guest star, Connor Cahill. And I hope you all have a super week. Yay! Bye! My name is Barry Ann.